The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. And welcome once again to It Came From The Radio, the official show of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. We are here live via Zoom, via social distancing, courtesy of the East Metal Public Library, for our 40th 4-0 live show in front of a live studio audience. Yay! You never knew we'd make it this far. <laughs> we are here with none other than Pronto Comics, Dominic Defminish Masperano. That is I, good listeners. We have senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino. Hey, everybody. We have from thelifewithjennerg.com, Jen Elise Feldy. Hello, good evening. And we have our special guest we're going to be talking to with and about is another other than Jonathan Syfax. Say hi. Hello, how are y'all? All right, so we're going to be talking to him in just a moment. But before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the news. It's more than time! The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, in which we are the official radio show of celebrating the 25 years of conflictness and Big Apple stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. And uh, let's see, their next convention, hopefully, probably, most likely, is going to be on <laughs> May 1st and May 2nd <laughs> of this year. Also want to give our shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are... Danny Crow, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Dresden Media, Unjikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, The Huracan, and Yasmin and Ray. If you want to get your own little shout-out, go to www.patreon.com, look up and came from radio in the search bar, and just for a dollar a month, you can get your own little shout-out. Also, if you want to support us on our website, it came from radio.com, you can order you can order us a pizza, the little little icon on the website. Just click on pizza and you can give us a pizza. We will greatly appreciate it. Whew. All right, so let's start off with the news. Tons and tons and tons of sad news. So let's just start off with that. Actor Jonathan Richardson has died recently from the pandemic. Uh, not from the pandemic, from, the, <laughs> from COVID nineteen. Uh, John, the pandemic, so. that's true. Uh, John was in a slew of films between the fifties and all the way up to the early nineties, but is perhaps best known as the male lead in the nineteen ninety six film, nineteen sixty six film, One Million Years BC. Charlie, we have a senior correspondent, Charlie Saldino. Uh, you were around when that movie came out, right? Oh, yes, I was. Big fan? Big fan, yeah. Um, it was a crazy movie. Uh, it was uh, a remake of, um, a, a, obviously, a silent film way back in the 30s. But, uh, but yeah, I was a big fan of that film. Uh, uh, you know, I was a young guy. I was a big fan of Raquel, so, you know. Rocky, as they called her. Were you too busy mm-hmm. watching Raquel Welch to remember uh, the guy in the movie? Yes, I was. <laughs> no, I mean, you got to remember, this guy was all cavemaned out. If um, 
he was in like a million movies, but nobody would know him if they knew him from one million years BC. Right. <laughs> so, all right. So somebody's listening to us. You have to turn down that uh, this volume. Yeah. <laughs> moving on for more. Uh, he was a, a, a spry 86 years old. So moving on for some wow. more sad news. Actor Antonio Sabato Sr. also died recently, also from the coronavirus. Antonio was in such films as Grand Prix, Shoot Twice Beyond the Law, One Million, One Dollar Too Many, Diary of a Telephone Operator, Mafia Connection, Seven Blood Strained Orchids, Crime Boss, The Last Desperate Hours, The Return of the 38 Gang, War of the Robots, Escape from the Bronx, Thunder Squad, and High Voltage, just to name a few. Um, of note, he is the father of model and actor Antonio Sabato Jr., of which I'm familiar with his work. I really didn't know Hot. his father. Oh, he's hot? He's hot. <laughs> the father or the son? The son. What? The father could have been hot, too. I don't know. Well, I'm just praising his creation. <laughs> hey, hey, I, did with, I did it with Raquel. She could do it with Antonio. All right, fair enough. So uh, Exactly. He was a uh, another spry 77 years old. Wow. Um, moving on for some more sad news. Yeah, why not? Let's go. Actress, yeah, why not? Actress and singer Marion Ramsey <laughs> also died recently from what is being called a short illness. Um, while appearing in many films and TV series, Marion was best known for her role as Officer La Laverne Hooks in the Police Academy and its sequels, Police Academy 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Marion, however, did not return for Part 7, nor the live-action television series of the same name. Um, of note, Marion did reunite with her Police Academy co-stars in the 2015 film Lava Lanchula, which was a spinoff of the Sharknado series, and its sequel, To Lava, To Lanchula. Um, I actually saw both of those films. They were awesomely bad. Uh, any Police Academy <laughs> fans uh, in, the, in, the, in the group? Yeah. God, go ahead, Jen. That's it. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dominic, you asked you to watch those yeah. movies. Oh, um, well, the commercial said it was a police academy reunion for this movie. I'm like, I must see this movie. And it was horrible, but in a good way. <laughs> and then they made the sequel mm, that I have to, <laughs> that I have to watch Two lava Two Lanchula. I just saw that like two days ago. It was mm. ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Is that a theme? You saw what was the name of it? Lava Lanchula. So it was a it was a tarantulas that spewed out lava. Wow. Oh my god! Oh, oh my boy. god! <laughs> oh wow! Maybe that would end our crisis. Mark, I should have told you something. <laughs> yeah. Why wasn't that a hit? Like uh, <laughs> that should have clued you in, man. Sharknado or whatever. Well, they had a, they had a crossover with Sharknado. That uh, Ian Zerling showed up in uh, Lava Lantula, and he's like, "Oh, I'm going this way to get some uh, sharks." He's like, "Yeah, I'm going that way to to, to kill some uh, spiders." Oh mm. God! Yeah, That's awesome. I gotta uh, see this. Oh my! So, uh, so she was a uh, a spry seventy three. Wow! Wow! Uh, all right, so more more sad news. Actress mm. Diana Claire Malay also Hold died on. recently. Yes. What is the record for sad news on the show? I think I, this is it. <laughs> it might be because this is a lot. This is a lot. I'm just saying, like, I'm I'm I mean, burning we, through them as fast as I can. I know, and I, I don't mean to slow it down, but I just was thinking, like, what is the record? I, I, 
you know, how are you going to make me go count? We should have a contest. Not right see, now. See how but... many people are listening to the show who can listen to all the other shows. Yeah, do we have any super fans out there that, you know, like, <laughs> they, they can go on April 21st, 2022, you know, or whatever, 20, 2018, cool. you listed five celebrity deaths, which is the all-time high. Uh, this yeah. one? This yeah. was... This was um... <laughs> yeah, because we're up to four. Right? So, this um... fourth celebrity death? Yes. I mean, a lot of people died in 2016, too. I know. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, actress Diana Claire Millet also died recently. As of this recording, no cause of death has been announced. Uh, while having guest starred in close to 100 primetime TV shows, Diana was perhaps most famous for her role in the original Dark Shadows TV series. Once again, Charlie Saladino, senior correspondent, you were a big fan of uh, hey. Dark Shadows, right? <clears throat> I was... Uh... Yeah, it wasn't that I was a big fan of Dark Shadows. When I worked at ABC, Dark Shadows just ended, and they and they shot Ryan's Hope in that studio. Oh. So I um, I watched Dark Shadows, um, you know, on and off. I was I was young, but you know, I was just I, I liked it, but I didn't like it because not a lot of action. It was more of a story. Then people's necks getting ripped out by vampires. So know. too much talking, not enough stabbing. Right, because I was a kid. But when I watch it now, it's it's like a, a classic. But it's so funny that I um I came into ABC just as that was going out, and Ryan's Hope filled that studio up. Oh, so she you know? was a, a, a once again a spry eighty five. Wow. All right, next one. More more sad news. Comic book artist Steve Lytle also died recently from also from the coronavirus. Uh, Steve worked primarily for DC, but also in the 90s worked for Marvel on such books as Batman, Batman the Outsiders, Marvel Comics Presents, Doom Patrol, Legion of Superheroes, and the DC's Who's Who series. Um, I was a fan of uh, his, his work. Uh, Dominic, you're a comic guy. Do you remember uh, Steve's work? I'm afraid I don't. When uh, was he active? In the 90s all the way up to the early 20s. <laughs> the early 20s. That's that's the early, the early 20s. <laughs> the early 2010s, I guess, or so. Yeah, he was uh, he, he was he was big for comic book uh, covers. He did a lot of comic book covers. I remember his work from the uh, comic okay. book uh, trading card series that he did. But he was a really great artist. Then, I the, then there's a good chance that I probably collected a card, or or definitely read a book because you've seen his work. I mean, he's he was out there. How do you spell his last name? L i g h t l e Lytle. He had a unique uh, signature, so that's how I always yeah, do his work. Yeah, let me take work. a look at his work, and I can tell you instantaneously. So while he's doing that, uh, he was a, a young 61. That's pretty young. Wow. Don't tell yeah. me that stuff. I'm so, looking at it. I might have read his stuff, but I can honestly tell you the, the covers that I'm looking at, nothing, nothing pops it's out. It's great work. Don't get me wrong. It just doesn't pop out into my memory that I've read these books. I really got deeper into comics in like the 2000s. Okay. Um, so I might have just missed it when so, he was doing stuff. Jonathan, you're a comic guy. Do you uh, remember Steve's work? I apologize. I really don't. If you could tell me some of the titles or storylines. You know, it's funny. Like I'm looking at one book and I remember reading this one. So yes, I am familiar with his work. It was a thing that didn't really go anywhere with DC, but it was an interesting concept. Aztec, the ultimate man. And he did the digital cover on that. So, yeah, I, hmm. I've definitely ran across the stuff. I see he's done some Spider-Man and things. Yes. Like I said, if, if, if you were around in that time, you probably seen yeah. his work. 
I know, yeah, I don't dispute. I've definitely seen his work. Definitely seen it. I've probably picked it up. I probably owned some issues that he's worked on. Definitely. Um, All right. Oh, okay. One more thing. Yes. I see like a really good cover that he did of uh, the Scarlet Spider during the Clone Wars saga. So yes. yes. No. Okay. Oh, okay. You, that I do know. There you the go. Clone Wars. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Next time, if someone worked on the Clone Wars, throw that out first. Gotcha. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So finally, finally, the last bit of sad news. Whew. Good Lord, man. That's like, think a rec- I think this is a record. This is what, six deaths? At least. Oh, <laughs> at least so, six deaths. Yeah. The this country's is dying, so everyone's falling in line. So let's see. Um, wow, that just got dark. <laughs> Well, <laughs> let's 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 end it with the sad news. So we can get to the more happier news. So, mm-hmm. actor John Henry Matthew Riley also died recently. Also, as of this recording, no cause of death has been announced. While appearing in numerous TV shows, John is perhaps known for his role as Sean Donnelly on the daytime soap General Hospital and Alistair Crane on the soap Passions. Of note, John also did some voice acting and was the role of Hawkeye in a '90s Iron Man cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys remember the Iron Man cartoon that they played the "I Am Iron Man" song? Yeah, I do. Re- I think mm. you can actually watch it on Disney Plus. Um, yes. I do remember it a little bit. It wasn't. It didn't get as big as X Men or uh, Spider Man did, though. Right, but uh, he was he played Hawkeye on that. Yeah. And Charlie, uh, actually, um, Dominic, aren't you the, the the soap guy, or was it Charlie who was the soap guy? One of you two watched soaps. I remember. I used to watch. My mother was into CBS soaps, so I first was watching uh, As the World Turns with her. Okay. And then I started watching um, the uh, Young and the Restless. Okay. So Charlie, were you a, a Passions or a General Hospital fan? Um, actually, that was the only soap at ABC that was shot in uh, L.A. Ah. So um, the only time we got to uh, see that, I mean, when you're in the office, you get to see all the rehearsals of all the soap operas, but. We didn't see that. That's how I'm familiar with the soap operas, by watching the rehearsals. And that was in L.A. I knew some of the stars when they visited New York and were on the show. But as far as that show, I just know bits and pieces. So not that familiar. All right. Well, uh, he was another uh, spry 86. Slightly related uh, anecdote. One of the founding members of Pronto Comics um, was actually a soap opera actor. Really? Which yeah, so he was on as the world turns, um, and he would mm-hmm. play like an officer kind of in the background. Um, really good guy, very good at editing too. Uh, his name's Ray Crisera, and he's really devoted himself to acting. Since... Officer in the background, that's his title. Yeah, he was like Officer Reynolds <laughs> or something was was what he was. And like after I met him and he told me he had worked on it, I would then like was still would watch it every once in a while, and I, I'd see him in the background. I'm like, holy shit! Sorry, holy shit! Oh god, there he is! Right there. Right there. It was kind of kind of weird when you see someone, you know, who is an actor on TV. I've seen that a couple of times. It's weird, right? A little bit. Yeah. I can't wait to when we see Jen on TV. (laughs) Well, you can go on Amazon Prime. (laughs) Yeah. Go on. What's the name of the movie that's on Amazon Prime right now? Um, Bloody Nun. Bloody Nun 2 is coming out. Uh, You can go on Vimeo and rent a movie that just came out last week. What's that one called? Oh, that cool. is called Remember Marie. Yeah, see? You can see Jim oh, right now. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah, you can see some things. Or you can go to <laughs> Governor's on Saturday. I'm hosting Governor's Comedy Club Saturday. I love, is yeah. that um, is that Rocco's Modern Mike? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I thought that was such a great name because if anybody watched Snick, they would know what that means. Rocco, right. yeah, yeah. Rocco, yeah. Yes. That's how you do segues. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> yes, nicely done. Um, all right, so let's go with the happier, not as happy. Oh, thank God. Happier. About damn time. All right, from Lee. Remember when this was considered a lot of money part two department? From whatever from it is, the, I still consider it a lot of money. <laughs> from yeah, I don't the, have that much. Nobody died department, and this <laughs> is something else. Go ahead. Um, Wonder Woman Part Two has kept the number one spot in the box office for now three three weeks in a row, and as this and as of this recording, which is January thirteenth, twenty twenty one, has pulled in one hundred and thirty one million dollars worldwide, of which thirty two point six million dollars in the box in domestic box office receipts. Uh, to put things into perspective. This time last year, the number one film was the Trainwreck Star Wars Part 9, which also held the top box office spot for three weeks in a row and was at $463 million worldwide, pulling in an additional $46 million of that in the U.S. Of course, this does not factor into how many new subscribers HBO Max got, nor how many people watched it on the streaming service, but it's nowhere near the $200 million budget. Wow! First of all, it made that much money because it was the only, I, in my opinion, my question is blockbuster why? movie that they were willing to put out this year. Like everyone has held back. Well, last year. <laughs> well, last year, twenty twenty, they've held every blockbuster back because they're like, we want it to come out in theaters because they know that's how they're going to make their money. They're not going to make the money on the streaming apparently, and they've held everything back. And Warner Brothers is like, put it out. So it's kind of like a, a paper tiger. It's a good movie. But it's a paper tiger because it had no competition. And this is the finally like some big screen movie that people finally got to watch. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. But, you know, you, know, you I, have to... I'd be curious to see if like Marvel, if they put out the Black Widow because she was supposed to have her solo movie. 2020 was really supposed to be like the year of women in terms of like superhero movies because you had mm. Black Widow and um, Wonder Woman 1984. I guarantee you if they put out uh, Black Widow, on Disney Plus, it'd probably make the same amount of money, if not more. But they're they're scared to do it for some reason. Agreed, agreed. Um, so let's see. So speaking of money, from the Holy Inflation Batman Department, <laughs> a copy of Batman Number One has set a new record for the world's most valuable Batman comic book at one point five three million dollars, beating out a copy of Detective Comics Number Twenty Seven which also was sold at auction for $1.5 million, which was sold in November mm. of uh, last year. Auctioneers say, <clears throat> I am certainly pleased but not surprised that Batman number one has already broken our record for the most expensive comic sold. It's beautiful. The pages are all white, and it has a CGC grade of 9.4. Um, it originates from a collection of Billy, Billy T. Giles, who bought the book in Houston in 1982 for just $3,000. Amazingly, three grand. Oh man! Further proof you've got to have money to make money. Yeah, can you imagine? I mean, from eighty-two to now, absolutely. That's some very expensive paper. Yes, and the thing is, it's it's in a it's in a little uh, plastic container, so you can't even read the book. Well, oh. once you once you open it, that's it. It's over. Yeah, it, it disintegrates, and then the money yeah. the value is worthless. <laughs> So, like, it makes me think, like, is there an actual book in there, or do they just say that there's a book in there? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, moving, I was gonna with, check. 
<laughs> that would be the, the biggest F you to anybody who bought that. That's 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 right, Jen. It's, no, no one's going to check because they're worried about losing their investment. Right. Yeah. Like, you just do a cover, fill yeah. it up with some really cheap tissue paper. That's it. Yeah. Hey, Mark, do you remember when we were at um, at the studio, um, the old studio, and that um, that new story about the Superman comic came up and it was two point something million yeah. and the guy just bought it and we were just like, my God, yeah. he just yeah. bought it. Could you imagine what this guy has? You know, yeah. this was in his pocket, you know? <laughs> I remember that. It's crazy yeah. how, how these books are being sold. And like I said, they're all in the little capsule, in a little capsule. So it's really weird that you can't even enjoy it. You can just say, I paid as much for this book. Let me sell it for a bunch of more money later on. Well, it's interesting because it's like those people that buy really rare bottles of wine that they'll never open or drink. Yes. Uh, so it's like that. And it also reminds me of like the death of Superman, you know, when they yes. sold like a million copies of that and they're like, yes. never open it or else it'll lose value. It won't lose value. Yeah. I saw mine at the end. Well, because you could open it. There's no value. I remember talking to Bob Rizakis, who said, like, there would only be value if you buy 9,000 of them, burn them all, then finally you'd have some value to it. But in a certain way, like, these things are becoming commodities. Yeah. Just like there's a great documentary on HBO about the art market. I forgot what it's called, but it's like the art market, and it's about the selling and reselling of art which no one ever conceived of until the 70s, that you could resell a painting for higher value, thus screwing the artist out of any money or residuals. Right. So like, mm. say so you buy a, a, a piece of art for $3,000, you hold on to it, and then you want to resell it, and then you resell it for $100,000. So, and these things, because they are rare, I'd even argue they have even more value to some degree because they're so rare now, these golden age comics and origins of, of superheroes, you can do the same thing. Mm, very true. Yeah. So speaking Didn't of more, Mark, more Mark money. Carbo have this idea? <laughs> Didn't Mark Carbo have this idea? Or, uh, right? Why? He was like, "Oh, you need to have me on so you can." Oh I yes. can Tell you about which comic which, books. Which are which are the comics are invested or investable? Yes. Yes, I'll True. stick with stocks. <laughs> uh, so speaking of uh, more money <laughs> from the department. None other than David Hasselhoff is auctioning off his most valued possessions. And if you get the winning bid on his personal Knight Riders kit and pay the appropriate delivery fees, David will personally deliver the vehicle to a location of your choosing. Uh, sadly, this particular kit was not used during the production of the series. <laughs> oh, okay. So That's it's funny. a backup it's, kit. It's a kit replica, but it's the one that David Hasselhoff drives around in because that's how that's what he does in his spare time fighting crime. Oh, and you have him. Bring- I gotta find a picture of this. <laughs> Hold on. He, um, he drives around still- in that, then gets out in the orange bathing suit and jumps in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Like, why would he want to be driving that car around? It is so. As of this recording, the bid is up to nine hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> the bidding ends on uh, January 23rd. So is uh, any, would anybody pay that much for like, the car to be delivered by David Hasselhoff? No. Absolutely not. <laughs> no way. You know why he's selling the car? Because he wants to buy that issue of Batman. Ah, there you go. <laughs> he needs the money. Good tie-in on that one. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Um, I wouldn't wow. I wouldn't pay for a, deli- a, a McDonald's delivery with his picture on it. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. no, no love for David Hasselhoff. Wow. All right. Yeah, oh my God. If, David, I, if David was bringing food with him, then you know I would have paid. <laughs> yeah, if he brought McDonald's, then, you'd be, then you would pay the $975,000. I mean, even if I had a firstborn and it was held high, I tip him I don't $2. I'd pay that much. <laughs> Yeah, you, no. Not even your firstborn. That's no, right. they, they wouldn't be rescued. I wouldn't pay that much. So, wow. No. All right. No. They were not kidding because, like, I Googled David, David Hasselhoff driving. He does have this replica. Yeah, he he, I tell you, he drives around. He fights crime. Nobody believes me, but he does. Now, the only thing that would be cooler is if the replica <laughs> actually talked to him. Well, I'm sure in his mind it does. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. If yeah. Mr. Feeney was actually, like, on the other end. Yeah. Uh, Although, honestly, now, truth be told, if you had a Bluetooth, he could literally just, I don't remember the guy's name. I don't remember. William Daniels. He could call, I'm going to call him Mr. Feeney anyway. All right. (laughs) He could call Mr. Feeney and be driving around, and then it would be like the ultimate full circle in a certain way. Yeah. Isn't isn't that the guy that was uh, Tom Selleck's boss in Magnum PI? No. No, No, that's that's Higgins. That's Higgins. Higgins. Okay. It was never right. truly confirmed, if I recall, though. If it was his boss or not. It was just a guy. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just see. A serious uh, writer. All right. So let's see. Final, final bit of news. Final bit of news. Oh, I don't know if anything can top this. Well, mm-hmm. this, this might be good. From the yet another award show department, the first annual Critics' Choice Super Awards is now in the books. For those of you who haven't been paying attention or really care for that matter, the Critics' Choice Super Awards is essentially a, quote, spinoff award show that was created to, quote, recognize the brilliance, creativity, and artistic excellence showcase in genres that for far too long have been overlooked by other award shows. So they had their own, the Critics' Choice Including the MTV Movie Awards. Yes. (laughs) For best action sequence and best kiss. Come on. So what, what makes this interesting is that the Critics' Choice people, they had their own award show called the Critics' Choice Award Show. And they felt that they needed to make another award show that neglected stuff that their own award show didn't do. I, so I may watch it. It's kind of like oh. they, I guess it's like how the Academy Awards have those technical awards, which they only give a montage to. It's, but this is, but they're saying that this is for categories and stuff that they weren't paying attention to. So oh. here's, here's a list of their other it's a, the awards. To me, it's like double secret probation. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's useless. But you know what I'm saying? Like they do those technical awards, which they, some, for some reason, film just so they can have a montage that, so they can show it during the Academy Awards. It's, it sounds yeah. like this is their, like, well, why don't we just make that its own award show and air it, it anyway? But this is different because if you listen to the uh, categories, this is oh, what I makes it. Oh, I can't wait for the categories. So they make, a, so remember, they have their own Critics' Choice Awards show. Right. And separate. So now this award show has the best action movie, animated movie, superhero movie, horror movie, science fiction and fantasy movie, and then the best actors and actresses in those categories, as well as a separate award for voice acting, plus all the same categories for TV series, and they have a category for best villain in a movie and TV series. So they're just what did they, what did they do on the first one? <laughs> right, exactly. So that's that's like that's exactly it's 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 the it's the height of ridiculousness in my opinion that they're doing this because you know we've we've had a show about award shows and we all have our own dubious opinions about award shows but this one I, I feel it's pandering and it's and it and it, and it really gets me upset that they did this. Um, it's kind of uh, God, like, <laughs> like 
Dominic is, you know, is the loss. <laughs> like, I like actually kind of like the categories, but it does in some way almost seem like the MTV Movie Awards, especially with Best Villain in a TV show. Um, yeah. And yeah, mm-hmm. why not just like incorporate, but I guess maybe they don't want to incorporate it for time. No, it's just they have the or best movie lazy. award show. They have a movie for best movie. So why now it's got to be they have to separate it. So it's like if you had um, the women in film awards that only celebrate women only films like, wait a minute. What's why aren't they good enough to be with everybody else? Why do you have to have a special award show that is just pandering to your audience? Because obviously, you know, superhero movies is a multi-billion dollar industry now. So right. now they have to make a special thing for best superhero movie. Come on. Really? <laughs> Yeah. I think they just want to give more awards because I know people, I'm not going to name names, that make their own film festivals so then they'll win awards. If you make your film festival, you choose who wins the awards. Now your movies have more clout. Perhaps there's just more movies and shows that needed more stars. <laughs> That's actually a very valid point. So they're making more award shows to give themselves more awards. It's very good. Maybe. Um, it so, so yeah, so with that, uh, we're going to take our break. It's like Kevin Smith winning the movie awards or something. Yes. We're going to take a break and we're going to be right back with the Game Rooney Radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at Hotmail.com. New comics are back at Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin. Get ready for the next DC Comics event. Future State! Cosmic Comics and Games is open Wednesday from noon to 7, Thursday from 2 to 7, Friday from 3 to 7, and Saturday from noon to 5. So if you want the latest Marvel, DC, Image, or Independent Comics, back issues, comic book supplies, or magic cards, please call Chuck at 516-763-1133 for all the details. That's Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin. Thank you and stay safe. Hi, this is Ellen Dubin, star of Lex, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Keep listening. Hello, radio listeners. What are you thinking? We want to hear from you. What's working for you? What things would you like to hear more about? Write us your thoughts. Or you can buy us a pizza. Just go to our website, www.itcamefromradio.com, and click on the Buy Us a Pizza link. Leave your comment there. And we'll read them on video. Michael McManus. I played Kai on Lex. You're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C-K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. This is the amazing question. And you're listening to It Came From The Radio. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. 
Hey everybody, this is Todd McFarlane of the Record Setting Spawn comic series. And if you're looking for any kind of cool conversation about creators, about entertainment, about all that good stuff, you go to It Came From The Radio. You're listening to the right spot. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to It Came From The Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking on our 40th live show, courtesy of the East Meadow Public Library. Woo-hoo! I'm here with um, <laughs> senior correspondent Charlie Saladino. How you doing? Pronto Comics Dominic Definition Man Sprano. You realize that this uh, live show is now hit middle age. From <laughs> the life with energies, generally Feldy. Good evening. And our Good. guest, special guest we're going to talk to with and about is none other than comic book creator Jonathan Syfax. Hello, hello. So before we get to the questions, just want to mention that the East Metal Public Library has tons of other programs that they have. Uh, every day there's always something going on. So go to www.eastmetal.info and look up all the stuff on their little calendar. And there's tons of stuff, and including our own uh, monthly show that we have, courtesy of the East Metal Public Library. All right. So, Jonathan, why don't you just give yes. us a quick, quick, uh, brief introduction of yourself and how did you get into the comic book world? Okay, my name is Jonathan Syfax. I am a comic book writer, creator, and have my own company, Future Stoke Comics. I actually met up with a gentleman named George Medina, built a close friendship with him in college. He introduced me to Samuel Vera, and then we met Annabelle Royal and worked together on Crazy Comics and created a book called Street Journal that we're working on to be put out. All right. So that's my, uh, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. That's, that's <laughs> very, very good. So um, you, you're coming out with a new book, right? That's coming out right now, right? Yes, actually now I have Future Scope uh, Comic Showcase. Celestine, my stories as introductory stories to kind of put you into my comic world and give you an idea of some of the titles that are going to be out in the future, along with us rewriting a book called Street Journal um, that I'm actually writing with George Medina. So what is Street Journal about? What's, what's that about? Give us, give us the synopsis of your books. Okay. It's basically about a young man named Tariq, who, despite being in a home of abuse, is trying to start a new life for his two-year-old daughter and the mother of his child. It takes place in the South Bronx during 1995, very much around where I grew up. And we watch his story happen as he's doing his journal entries. So it's an inspiring story. It's edgy. We didn't take any edge off of it. We told the very real story from his point of view. But it's been very well received. And we're actually doing a revamp of the book now. So they always say to write what you know. Was that a specific point of, um, of idea when you decided, I'm going to write about this because this is where I live, this is where I grew up, or did you just say this would be a great story to tell? Absolutely. It was all about um, something that I experienced or people I knew or what was going on in the South Bronx at the time of the 80s, the early 80s into the mid to late 90s because that's the generation basically I grew up in. And just to give a general overview, uh, the South Bronx really got hit terribly, all of America, but really the South Bronx big time got hit with the crack epidemic that piggybacked off of the madness of um, what was going on in the Bronx in the late 70s. That, along with AIDS, carried over in the 95. 
So, so I set the story in that environment where this young man is fighting through a home of abuse and addiction and things. It was based on people I knew, things I've seen a lot of much like me, the writer, but doesn't think his story could really we pull from a lot of stuff around me. Everything has I've even seen it happen, known someone that happened to or happened directly to me. Wow. Um, Jen, do you have a question for Jonathan? Yeah. Do you think your character Vallis could fix this debacle that the United States is in right now? Perhaps lessen the divisiveness? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, say that again. I apologize. Do you I'm think sorry. that your character, the super being Vallis, if I'm, am I saying that right, Vallis? Could uh, Celestine, the yes, that's the that's. Uh, so how would this character end? Uh, fix the divisiveness occurring presently in the United States. Oh well, it's interesting because Celestine really, when I was creating her from that separate story, I really wanted to create a lady that was beautiful, tough, intelligent, didn't take any stuff from nobody, knew who she was, but was trying to. her strength and the comfortability in her skin. So at the end of the day, Celestine fight demons. She's trying to do right. She's trying to find herself. Maybe she'll find she's very much like, this is my fault, so I'll stick with it. And if anybody wants the drama, I'll take care of them. I'm a strong lady, and you just gonna have to deal with it on my terms. Hmm. So I know I we're getting a little bit of that. um, we're yeah. getting a little bit of a, a hard to hear. Cut um, out. Yeah, just a little bit. Just letting you know there, uh, Jonathan. Um, Dominic. You have oh, a- oh, I'm sorry. That's no worries. It's it's technology is what we're we're working on. Uh, Dominic, you have a question for uh, Jonathan? Um, not at the moment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Charlie, <laughs> I'm still trying to piece together because the his what he's saying is cutting out, and I'm trying to like right. get what he's saying, and then I'm missing whole sentences, unfortunately. So I'm like, me too. Still trying to put piece together what he's trying to tell me because it's everything sounds very interesting, and I love the fact that he's working from stuff that's real life and that's happened to him because those are the best stories um, when you write what you know and you, you introduce it. Um, unfortunately, I'm just missing like large swaths of what he's telling me the story is about so i'm having a hard time formulating questions that's a very that's a very valid uh, point charlie you have anything to add yeah it's i've been having the same audio problem but i'm very interested in uh in that he's working with the bronx and uh because i'm i'm a brooklyn boy and brooklyn and the bronx have always been like you know we're they're alike but they always been at each other, you know, who's the better, uh, who's the better borough. But I'm, I'm liking that he's doing it from the nineties and also from the seventies, because it's, it's very close. The, the times are very close, even though they're, they're far apart in what was happening in that area. And um, I guess when Jonathan, when you get an idea, you just 
go with it? Do you get any any um, mental blocks in between, or you just run with that idea? Well, with Street Journal, and I'll try to talk clear uh, so that this y'all hopefully can hear me better. Apologize it, it, about that. Your um, your speech is absolutely fine, sir. It's it's your it's connection. A, it's, a, it's a technology. Is out. Uh, it's a technical issue. Uh, um, okay, you, you, it could be the, like right the internet yeah. that I'm on. It's reminding me of yeah. the old uh, AOL. Yeah. Bing, bing, um, bing. <laughs> you've got mail. Um, yeah, just, that's the problem. That's so the problem. let's let's try yeah. it this way. So Jonathan, try to keep the sentences uh, shorter. That way, we'll get little little bits <laughs> we can get in there as best as okay. possible. How about no sign problem. language? <laughs> I'll work well on a radio show. I'll show yeah. pages of the book. <laughs> Next uh, week we're going to book a mime. Yes. <laughs> well, basically with Street Journal, it was easy to write because I really was like, I'm going to tell the story. The materials from life, so I didn't have to really make up much. And I kind of said, I'm going to write this and I don't care how people judge it. I'm just going to tell the best story I possibly can. So it took a lot of pressure off me to try to make somebody happy and focus in on the story itself. And Okay. So I did get the part that the story is happening through his journal entries. So he's yes. obviously narrating it. Are we actually going to see him writing in the journal is it going to open up with him writing in a journal and then it's a flashback is it that the the journal entry is going to be like the header in each panel then oh. we see the action like i'm Wait. curious how you're working the journal entry into it like they had like for a while like one off of batman stories where it was like batman's journal and you would always you could read his thoughts in a script handwriting and i'm just curious if it, how you're you're working the the text to the to the imagery oh well what we do is and that's a great question we see when actually, i hear stuff i can i can do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> what we did was we took the journal entries and we made it so that um it would look like it's on a sheet of paper in an actual journal okay and then we would jump from the journal entry which would be in captions and there was to be something happening in present time mm -hmm. in coordination with that journal entry. All right. That sounds like a really cool juxtaposition of the, of the imagery you, and the writing. That, yeah. And sometimes you, you do just, we cut away from the journal entry and you just see his life happening as it's happening outside of any journal entries at all. Mm. Jen, you have another question for Jonathan? Um, what would be another superhero you'd like to create and who would be the inspiration for it? The, well, I have another superhero story called Zion 3. And that actually has to do with a group, three individuals that are will three mystic powers. And they have to basically kill these evil demons that are trying to, or uh, monsters that are trying to take, kill them to get the power from them. They actually become our ancestors of Hannibal, the great general Hannibal, uh, one of his soldiers that served under him. Okay. So could it be like the three musketeers? I'm just thinking that because I could go for three musketeers right now. I would like to. No, it is. 
It's yeah, it's like them on steroids because they just okay. all of them want to cut people's heads off. They <laughs> three musketeers do on drugs, steroids. Kids. So three musketeers go gym a lot. <laughs> Weren't there actually four musketeers? Four. Yes. Yes, there are four musketeers. D'Artagnan. Yes. Yeah. I just want a Snickers. Yeah, Porthos, Athos, Aramis, D'Artagnan. But before D'Artagnan joined, it was the three musketeers. And they made a great candy bar. They did make a good candy bar. Yes. 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 That is Snickers. Oh, my God. Hey, man, let's let's not bring religion into this, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Charlie, you have another question for Jonathan? It was a good show when I get Mark laughing so he's speechless. Yeah. Charlie, you got a question for Jonathan? Yeah, what's Jonathan? Yeah. In your writing history, what was the biggest stretch um, from one character to another in, in different different books? The largest stretch that I did with my characters are actually in Street Journal. And the only reason why I say that because we really made an effort to um, put opposition to the theme of the character, the main character, and the villain. So, like most of the time, when you read villains, the law, the rule generally is that you create a villain with layers that mirrors the hero. That's generally what what they say. Our villain is just no good all the way around. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but and totally deplorable. But the main character, even though he makes decisions that might not be the wisest decisions, is his intentions are completely pure and noble to his family and his writing. So for him to have such a, a father that's so basically despicable and dishonorable and just horrible of a human being for him to be so pure of a human being in his intentions um that's the the widest difference right right it's it's now, interesting you uh, take a point out of um the intentions of the character uh one of the things i've always heard is that to make the best villains they don't know that they're the villain in their own story so was that something that you yes. consciously did? Like, I'm going to make sure I don't go over the top and just have him be evil for evil's sake, but make him think he's doing good? Or is it just something that just, you just decided that he's going to be as evil as possible? No, we, it's funny because when we wrote the villain, we was really about, I don't want him to have any good in him at all. I want him to be the worst human being you ever met in your life, the most deplorable human being you ever met in your life. And even the most forgiving person, I wanted them to say, this dude should be put in prison and right away until the sun comes up, until he closes his eyes. Because my goal was to make him so evil that even though the young man is trying to, is making the wrong choices, he would look like a hero besides such a horrible villain. And everybody else are trying to fight for the hero at all costs. And that's how I kind of waited. I felt that if you knew more about the villain, you would feel sorry for the villain, and therefore it would take away from the hero. And I wanted Ty and his cousin, his cousin to be the anti-hero Fuzz, and Ty to be the hero 
uh, literally be the hero of his own story. So, Cool. We have a question in the chat. It says, uh, me growing up in the South Bronx, as well as in the 80s, hip hop was huge in the urban community. Is there any influence in the story or written lyrics stated of rap in the journal? All right, I have no idea what that is. That's a great question. I just heard uh, growling. Is it on drug dealer? That just went somewhere. I'm glad that we all heard it, though. Oh, web? We heard some growling. We weren't sure what that was. Like but did you get growl. the question? Oh. Do you have a dog, sir? Does anyone have a dog? Raise no, no, I don't know what that was. That's, okay. I don't know. That's all right. Zoom just got this. I live in, dude. I just I turned live in the house. I, I just turned around house. my door sleeping. Did you get the question, uh, Jonathan? <laughs> I got a cat. No, did you get the question? That won't stay out of my room. I got. <laughs> That's about as good. good. Did you get the question? That was the important thing. I'm sorry. Let's go back to that. Um, (laughs) We have a scene where Fuzz, which is his cousin, and he's a big time drug dealer, but he protects his cousin at all costs. Like Fuzz's whole life is his family, particularly his cousin Ty. And he would do anything to protect them. They turn on the radio, and as they pull up, head into the George Washington Bridge, uh, Rakim's Don't Sweat the Technique is playing in the radio. I think I got most of that. You also have Wallabies, which was a kind of shoe. Hmm? You're getting, uh, it was breaking up again. You had Wallabies, it was kind of a shoe? Yeah, that was out at that time. And we have Beepers. In it. Now, nobody knows about Beepers today from this generation, mm. but everybody's checking their Beepers because cell phones wasn't as advanced as they are today. So. I know about Beepers. Yeah, I know about Beepers. Dude, you're a cool man. Y'all are cool panel, so y'all know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know. We know about Beepers. <laughs> y'all know about Beepers. <laughs> I have, I have two, beepers, beeper. two Beepers sitting in my desk right now. <laughs> Somebody may at, give you a lot of money day. for those beepers. Yeah, right? You, you well, might get somebody they, to buy those beepers for an auction. Jonathan, when they, they make the books into movies, you know where to come for the beepers. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you all got... <laughs> yep. All right, so it's... Absolutely. Uh, Social media time. So where can people find out more about the book, find out more about you, get in contact with you, all that fun stuff? Go. Short, short burst. Well, short burst. Yes, yes. Right now they have I'm have a website, futurescope.com. The best way to find me is Futurescope Comments and Entertainments, my fan page of, on Facebook. And v- the various books also have their own Facebook page, like Celestine, um, Zion3 and other titles. So uh, I know that a lot of independent artists because of the pandemic have been kind of locked down from going to conventions, which is usually their, their biggest source of um, income. Um, and most people are going to the uh, crowdfunding uh, sources. Have you have any uh, Indiegogo or Kickstarter campaigns that you were thinking about doing, or is that something else that you're uh, debating? I actually want to do it, but right now I'm actually representing a client's book 
that would be out, I would say, in two months called The Lesson. The gentleman's name is Derek Peoples. And I want to more crowdfund his book before I crowdfund my book. Well, if you're, I would really you like want to get the gentleman out there with his property. Well, would you like to talk quickly about that book? We have mm-hmm. a few minutes. I said, would you quickly like to yeah. talk about that book? Uh, have- that yeah. book is ba- Yeah, <laughs> that book is basically about a young man who's a basketball star, and he basically decides to hustle people for money. And it's kind of a moral tale, but tale because he finds himself in a situation where he's forced to try to help the very kids that he tried to hustle. So, it's so. Why did you decide to to be a representative for that book? I mean, I've I noticed through the through the other two books that you said, and then this one, it's very uh, down to earth uh, stuff that's happening as opposed to more uh, fantastical elements. Is that something that you purposely decided to go for? The interesting thing about it is the client that told me about the story said that that story actually came from someone's life that that he would play people for money, almost like above the rim type of thing. And he put it as a story, as an idea. I like the idea. I like the story, especially the fact that I felt it was a down to earth moral story. cautionary more and worked on the script and trying to put it out for him you know all right cool um so we're at our final thoughts time so let's see uh dominic do you have a final thought for us uh always support independent comics that's pretty pretty straightforward uh charlie saladino senior quarter charlie saladino you can start by supporting my comic at fishysarcasm.com <laughs> patreon.com fishy sarcasm there you go <laughs> senior correspondent charlie saladino do you have a final thought for us yes it, it sounds like a, a great creative book um i wish you all the luck in the world thank you for coming on the show and everybody be nice to everybody else nice generally spelly do you have a final thought for us Always support your friends, and if you're not going to support them, please move over to make room for other people who will. <laughs> I like that. Jonathan, do you have a final thought? If you want to do it in like little bits and pieces, you can. Uh, well, first, support. It came from the radio. One of the greatest shows with one of the greatest sets of panel of individuals. Honey, hold on. Support, support, support. Of course, that's Charlie. Wow. All right. Try, try again, Jonathan. One more time. Oh, my oh, so, God. Okay. Support. It came from the radio. One of the greatest shows with the greatest wow. set of panelists. Fantastic. A lot of fun. Great individuals. And support independence. Back them up. And let's all work together because at the end of the day, it's us that have to lift each us up. Each of us yes. up. Oh, cool. Yes. Uh, my final thought Thank is you. is is this uh, Charlie? You are unmute yourself, Charlie, because uh, you, there you go. Okay. Uh, my final thought is this, uh, Jonathan. I've known you for, geez, it's been I'd say what about eight nine years, right? Yeah, yeah. So I want to. Uh, I'm sorry, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to wish you a continued success. Uh, it's really sad that I don't get to see you. I usually see you at least once a year at a convention. So it, it pains me not that you're not around. Um, 
support his book, support independent comics, uh, much continued success. And when your stuff is, uh, when you have more stuff to come on, come back on the show. Hopefully you get a better connection and we can have you as a guest again. So that about uh, does it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. So that about does it for this week. <laughs> came thank you so much. I'd love to come back. There we go. Uh, so that about does it for this week. I came from radio. Join us right here and every week on this radio station. If you miss any part of the show, Tough. Go to our website, www.itcamefromradio.com. So the archives will be up any week or so. Um, our next live show will be on February the 10th with uh, writer Chris Pascarella. And um, if you guys make sure you go check out to the East Metal Public Library website, that's www.eastmetal.info. If you miss any part of our show, go to um, our website, go to YouTube, uh, Instagram, Twitter. We have that. As we said, we have a pizza. You can get us a pizza. And we would greatly appreciate that. And we will see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast. <laughs>